Welcome to Kodachi for Three, a bi-weekly podcast where three friends and passionate players discuss the world of Wraith. If you're looking for flesh and blood content, we've got it. Focusing on competitive play, community building, and yes, going off on plenty of tangents. From our favorite casual builds to the market, nothing is off limits. So sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for Kodachi for Three. Welcome, welcome. We are your hosts for Kodachi for Three. I'm Adam. I'm Drayton Gans. And I'm Shay. Just just asking you to you know smash that like button and subscribe if you're listening on uh, on YouTube. See, see, I I can also I love do it. the social. I know. It's like comment, comment, say something mean about me. And if you're it not helps us with the algorithm. If you're not listening on YouTube, find us on Facebook. Click the follow button because that's how you're going to get in the giveaways. We've passed a hundred giveaways, but we get way more than that on downloads. We'd love for you guys to be eligible for giveaways in the future. We'll guarantee we're doing one at 250, and then we'll go forward from there. I mean, that's reason enough to drop that sub. I guess you don't even have to drop anything. It's like literally just following us on socials. It's a single click on Facebook. Yeah, do we have a Twitter? I created one, but I need to get the at Kadachi for three things set up, because right now it's like at the email 1212 something. It's terrible. We're going to fix it. Okay. See, I was awful at the old podcast managing our Twitter. It was, uh, I believe I was just sent gifts of Yamcha dying in the crater um, to summarize my Twitter skills. See, I'm slowly but surely getting us pulled into the modern era for this podcast, but it's a slow process, sadly. So I apologize to anybody who's trying to find us on a place we're not. We're on like 12 platforms at least, and... (laughs) working on editing more youtube videos so but that is where we get the least amount of views right now yeah all right check us check us out our aol instant messenger group never oh god (laughs) um so (laughs) with all that in perspective this episode is going to be a small mini episode that is focused around community questions so recently i did a few posts on reddit uh actually on twitter through my personal accounts the board game communities accounts things of that nature and I just took a, a bunch of questions about kind of what's going on in Flesh and Blood, the world of Wraith, and us in the podcasts. I went ahead and picked and chose some questions, so we're only going to hit two or three questions every episode. They really are intended to be very short, like little bite-sized th- things in between our other episodes. We won't do featured cards. We'll try not to go off on too many tangents, though. No promises. It is us. And hopefully we get questions answered. Tangents will be had tangents will be had you're right i'm very sorry ahead of time but hopefully you're listening to us because you love our personality and our tangents yeah totally all right those are great (laughs) first things first of course you like it i mean you you have to you're stuck with us yeah first things first um so recently there's been a lot of talk about flesh and blood's reprint policy and its philosophy on how they're going to reprint cards and how unlimited is quote-unquote unlimited. Now, this has mostly been in context with Crucible of War and supplementary sets that people are having an issue with, uh, but I kind of want to cover that as a group. First, I kind of want to give a overview of what the reprint philosophy is. They always have said the secondary card market is so crucial to a trading card game, and while I haven't really been a trading card game player in the past, I believe that's true. 
people having that collectability, that secondary market that they can move thing, does really keep people buying cards, especially even when they're not getting to play a lot. They said yeah, they, no. you know, they designed it to be a tournament TCG with a non-rotating card pool. They want long-term u- utility of collections, so they basically said it'll be necessary to reprint cards, support new player accessibility in tournament play, and that Unlimited would basically truly be Unlimited as long as there is a demand. That's not always what they said on supplementary sets. In fact, if you were to go to the product link for Crucible of War, Unlimited, it does say it will only be available in three waves. Now, I'll link all of this stuff in there, but I just kind of want to get you guys' first thoughts on the reprint policy and then Crucible War in specific. Yeah, no. I mean, the reprint policy makes, like, as far as uh, the Unlimited sets, makes sense. You print on demand. Um, at some point, like, you know, welcome to race stuff, there'll be enough of it. There won't really be that scarcity. Um, but yeah, as you go, the supplemental sets, like, I guess it was a bit of a miscommunication, but I believe they also communicated when they made Crucible that it's like, Hey, this is just a weird thing we're doing because the game's kind of so early on in its lifespan. This is to like, give us some like breathing room to design these other sets and stuff. So, I don't know. I'm not too upset. Like, if you bought a box of crew, like Unlimited, and it's not open, you you got, like, you got the lottery box. Yeah, I mean, well, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing on it is that I do think that we have now put out a decent supply of it. I do think that a little bit more clarity would have been appreciated by the player base. Though that being said, they did put it out there. Again, like most of us don't read the kind of like smaller print on those announcements. Um, I know I sure didn't, um, but it was there. So, you know, that's kind of more on me as a player than initially them as a company. But I do think it could have been a little more clear. Um, I do think that if it's in like demand, then like you know maybe these things can come back so what i would like to see is if like they realize like oh hey it's you know a year and a half two years down the road and we we've had a huge player influx and some of these heroes that need some of those cards um the secondary market's just like killing new players with it maybe that's when they decide hey we're doing another print of crew unlimited maybe calling it crew like second edition or something like that i don't know what they would do at that point but, you know, just making sure that they are watching that secondary market, because what you don't want is what your your unlimited cards to be too pricey, in my opinion. But at the same time, you do want to also not kill value. It is a tricky um, balancing act to do, for sure. I'll also be curious, just the nature of crew and how small each class's kind of card pool was. Uh, if we don't see whenever, say, a new warrior down the road for example is printed and we see some of those crew warrior cards that support the theme of whatever their new warriors doing uh you know maybe we see some of those that were staples reprinted from crew to set x yeah it would make sense you had some things like hit and run and all these things that are kind of like evergreenly good and that would make a uh draft or limited pool interesting because that's kind of how I view their crew reprints is now they have this reservoir of stuff they can reprint and repurpose for sealed purposes into new sets for, you know, 
get them kind of in that evergreen unlimited. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because they are stopping Crucible does not mean they cannot go and get the core cards, the ones that people use. My main comment on whether I thought they dropped the ball or not is mostly that most friendly local gaming store I've seen, most online retailers I've seen, they have a lot of Crucible Unlimited. It was sitting on the shelves, not being sold, when the announcement came that it wasn't going to continue to be reprinted. So it's not like this was a massively in-demand product that nobody had in their hands. It was out there. It was being consumed at the level it wanted to be. It only got recently snapped up and spiked in prices when, again, people wanted their investment out of it. Yeah. Oh, it didn't. they didn't pull a GW where it's like, announcing Curse City, and it's never getting printed again, and now every box is going to be $500. Have fun. Yeah. No, absolutely. I th- again, like, I think, like, the whole panic of, like, we can't access this stuff now, all of a sudden these cards are too rare, I don't think that's the case. Um, I do think that those who are collectors who wanted to get what they needed out of it have already been able to get what they needed and at reasonable prices. You know, that, that being said, again, it, my, my only thing that I would want to watch on it would be, like, where are we two years from now, right? You know, I, I like to think, you know, down the road... This game still has legs. This game is doing well. Um, what's it going to look like in that future spot for newer players, right? Are they having to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a Majestic from that set, like some of us were when we were first getting into this game, when we only had Crew First Edition? You know, things like that. Um, th- those are the things that I hope are not the case when people are getting in. Because I think that as much as I want things like First Ed to retain value and even increase in value because they are the shiny first edition type things, at the same time, I don't want Unlimited to be in that initial boat chain. I agree with you. And there are core cards to each class that it supports. Ninja uses cards, War uses cards. Basically, everybody uses cards from Crucible of War, except for the Monarch and the... Uh, Tales of Aria heroes, and those are typically not going to be using those cards at this time. But yes and no. Like I would argue that like Lexi wants the equipment, the majestic equipment. That's fair. I'm not the biggest fan of those boots. I think that's what you're referring to. The yeah. perch grapplers. I, I, I'm not <laughs> the biggest fan of the perch grapplers, but it doesn't mean that they're bad. I think they're a very viable choice for the deck, and I think they're going to be in a lot of higher end decks as well. So. Uh, just because I don't believe they're crucial doesn't mean that they shouldn't be accessible and won't have their place in the meta. But overall, I don't necessarily feel like they dropped the ball. I just feel like they could have been more clear, meaning they communicated it, but nobody reads fine print. And when you hear the word unlimited and you see a reprint philosophy that says in perpetuity, you don't feel like you need to do additional research. So I get why people were quote-unquote mad but i don't think it's a problem i think i think something we can say in regard to this is that we collectively as a group are like all for everything that lss has done we think they've been doing a great job we think they're doing awesome as company but we also come from game companies that um while they've done some things right they've done some smaller things not necessarily as good as they could have and so we're always wary of those small things right we're we don't come we we've all dabbled in magic a little bit for the most part i think but none of us really were big term 
like top tier magic players we weren't in the competitive magic circuits ever or anything like that so it's one of those things of like when you come from that environment you expect certain things because you've been with that one company us having come from a lot of different companies and a lot of companies that have kind of done us wrong um we're watching for these small things and saying well we like everything you're doing but even though it's a small nitpick we're going to nitpick these little things because we don't want these small things built building up to becoming an actual problem we would rather see the game continue to flourish is kind of what i want to make sure everyone's aware of you know if if we're like oh are we going to give lss a five star rating probably but maybe this is like something that gives us like a 4.5 or something like that we're still really happy with them as a company but if we have we want to look at flaws and judge them in critical manners because that's the only way people grow and the only way companies grow yeah, they're still far and above most companies on communication, considering their tiny team, that's exceptional. But missing a little bit of a line once or twice, it's going to hurt them occasionally. And, and I think that is, like you said, fair to call them out for, even if it's not actually a big issue. I mean, I think a, I appreciate. I think a oh, bigger thing they did right to talk about communication was when um, Monarch was going to get delayed, right? Within a week, we had an update on what was going on, what they were doing to solve the issue. I mean, that was a, a point of strength in their column. You know, some people were very frustrated that it was getting delayed, but realistically, that was outside of their hands. And they handled it as well as I think any company could have. And, you know, that, that was huge points in their favor. And again, like, I would rather have a company who handled that situation correctly and then maybe somewhat drop the ball on this than have a company who announced this correctly but dropped the ball on the Monarch release, honestly. Well, you're saying you don't want a company that just puts all their product nebulously on this on the boat tag or like randomly announces the death of your game in a product announcement for the co-op version of it. It's cool. I I, I, I know don't know what you're talking about at all, Shay. We... Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You know, they did the they did those Thrones players the dirtiest. They're like, when George R. R. Martin puts out a new book, we'll put out some new cards for you. Oh, that's that's just rude. We're that was, you know, we're not gonna set the bar at fantasy flight levels because that's too low. <laughs> I expect way better from LSS, and we've gotten way better day after day. So, let's let's not give them that as the bar. Hey, my favorite thing in the AEG era of L5R was uh, they called it Colat Edition uh, launches for new editions where the product got tied up in the port, and you could just print off the cards and cut them out and play the proxies in major tournaments. That was a fun couple of times. Yeah, that's terrible. It was great. I don't I don't do arts and crafts for my collectible card games. That's not it's not gonna happen. Okay. Uh unless you guys have anything more to say about the general reprint policy and philosophy, I think I'd like to move on to a different listener question. And this question kind of covers the equivalent of Magic's Popper format. We were asked several questions, technically, that relate to a Popper or a common-only format, and they wanted us to cover a little bit about what budget-friendly formats exist in Flesh and Blood, if we've played them, and which ones we kind of like the best. So I'll cover the, the three that I've put on as a TO locally are the sub-supers, so basically you can play any and all cards that you would like as long as they are below the super rare rarity including your tokens your commons and your rares and that's across the board on your equipment slots and in your deck there is a six rare 
format where you're playing only six rares in your deck and that is typically only six rares not six rare cards and three of each of those and then the full common format or the full popper format where you're not allowed to use anything outside of a common we typically do budget on a blitz basis not a classic constructed basis but of course we could do that just because i haven't ran it doesn't mean it doesn't exist so what do you guys think how have you felt about these formats and does it have a place that the community should continue to support uh i think there's a format that kind of was omitted i think actually the starter decks especially since monarch with like the blitz starters for monarch and aria i think those especially if you have a bunch of new people are a great like introductory thing they can come they get like one of these starters the starter decks are a great seed for a new player's kind of collection and especially if you're really geared toward like you know your communities in its infancy and you have a bunch of new people host one of those or you know it lets people get like a deck that they can start tinkering with and i'll give like lss none of them are like unplayable garbage so like they're all a competently constructed little blitz deck on a budget and most of them actually fall into that sub super category so it kind of gives you a nice natural progression i personally am not a big fan of the all commons or the limited rares uh popper formats for flesh and blood i actually think sub super is the right place just because a lot of heroes kind of like those commons and rares it's a competent deck it's doing a synergy it's giving you an actual taste of how the game works if you're on full commons it's it gets janky it gets real janky you do tend to so, actually lose mechanics without the rare mm -hmm. slot i completely agree with you so i also yeah, think like that it not... pushes um certain heroes above the rest like dash for example um like i think that just the lack of rarity there um, can hurt the balancing factor. Not to say that it needs to be the most balanced format in the world, but you do, you do want like not somebody just showing up with like, oh, all my commons do more than your commons type deck, and therefore they just mm -hmm. are wiping the floor of people. Yeah, sub super gives you like a full taste of like a hero, especially like in kind of a blitz setting. Uh, I think sub super, if you're doing like full classic constructed, as someone who played a sub super classic constructed deck into a classic constructed tournament uh you're just they're just slower it it takes a little bit too long so i think blitz is a perfect place if you're doing these popper formats and if you're doing them they're probably going to be on like a normal weeknight not like a weekend tournament so play it blitz get it knocked out fairly quickly have a nice little three four round event yeah i'll give my summary to that as well i completely agree with you sub supers where to be I have enjoyed that far more than either of the other two discretionary formats. I agree with you that the limited decks are amazing, especially because in the last two sub-super tournaments we ran, multiple players came in, purchased one of those decks, and stripped out the Mentor card, because the Mentor card is a Majestic, and then played that deck and did absolutely fine in the tournament. I think one of them actually ended up getting second with the Leviah mm -hmm. pre-constructed great decks really well uh put together and and seem to really sing for what you want those heroes to do yeah i will i will say um i do wish more of the other stores in our local area um were doing more of those 
just the starter deck tournament type events, um, just because I do think it would help them to grow their communities more. Um, you know, that that's something that I think any store can be doing. I mean, mm-hmm. even just like a once a month type thing or once every other month type thing of like, hey, if you want to check out this game, you know, come, you know, we'll randomly give you a deck and, you know, or you can choose the deck you want. Uh, I think the randomized aspect of it might be a little better because, A, it's not as daunting to the players of like, oh, well, what if someone shows up and they just pick the better one and then they're going to stop me? It's throwing older players off their groove a little bit, things like that. So I think I think it's a little more balanced that way, but you know, to each their own. I think that that's like a really nice low stress way to introduce new players to the game just because, you know, while draft and sealed are nice, it can be a little bit trickier if they're not used Mm -hmm. to the mechanics. And it's a pretty cheap price point to get them in. Like, you know, at the cost of basically what a draft is normally you get a pre-constructed deck and you know, if you do okay, you get like a couple packs. So that can upgrade that deck. Yeah. Honestly, not everybody's community is this way, but we even almost give away sub-super decks all the time because after mm-hmm. every draft, after every sealed, most of the veteran players are giving their stack of cards to the newest player in the room. Uh, granted, again, that's only commons and rares, but that does get you into the sub-super format. It does give you an accessible way to play the game, and you can play at that level I personally think that more stores should support it, not just for new players, but across the board. Like you said, monthly would be fine for this, and I would enjoy playing it. It takes me 10 minutes to put together a sub-super deck. It doesn't really hurt my binder. It doesn't really strip things out. But We were asked if we thought the balance and the meta in sub-super would be reasonable. So how we felt like the balance was, uh, if we felt like there were standout heroes, and if we felt like that those standout heroes were drastically different than it is in the classic constructed meta. Not really. Like, I mean, if you're playing it like Blitz, like, turns out Ira still can do Ira things. Kano gets gets to be quite sad, but you know, Kano can't be as tricky. That's for sure. Um, I I do think that there are. Um, like, I think Viscerai and Kano have a little bit more weakness in um, the sub-super format type area. That being said, though, I think that you can get a general feel for a lot of different things. Now, what I'll say is that, like, have I looked at it with, like, a hard competitive eye? No, because I'm never really going to treat that format as something that I want to be hyper-competitive in. It's always going to be a format that, like, hey, I want to go in and just, like, place that's going to show off like some fun mechanics to somebody who's brand new right you know like i might throw together a viscerai just so i can be like hey here's what viscerai tries to do if you think that's interesting then maybe you could build his deck um not that i'm like you know going and trying to hard win these events just because for me it's more about growing the community in that regard rather than you know trying to win at that point in time yeah you dust off benji and you go and you you just tickle people till they till they lose. Yeah, as much as I think it could be seen as a regular competitive format, that's never how I am likely to treat it either. Um, I personally think Bravo and Dash are exceptional in the format, just because they're they lose virtually nothing in it um, outside of some of the reduction chambers. But Boost yeah. Dashes is pretty exceptional in in that format. No, yeah. Again, mm-hmm. I would say like I think like somebody could 
could take it the wrong way and like play overly competitive in that format. Um, and, and you might have some people like that in your communities. But overall, like I would especially like encourage if you do have like a long standing core group and you're trying to get more players in using a format like this, you know, make sure you talk with them and be like, hey, guys, make sure we're being inclusive and like, you know, you see if you see an opponent make a mistake, let them, you know, fix it. Let them. Oh, I pitched the wrong card. Do you mind if I take it back? Absolutely. In these types of formats, right? Like it's, it's more about inclusiveness mm-hmm. than competitiveness at that point. And also don't bring a degenerate Ira deck. Just like know your audience, bring your, know your yeah. Bring your binges. Speaking of Ira, yeah. Coming in on that segue, I like it. Uh, so our third question for today, yes, is about the skirmish season three. I know it's on a lot of people's minds, especially if they're not planning on traveling to nationals or any of these final callings. It's the next opportunity for competitive play and blitz play, if that's what you prefer. So we were asked with Skirmish Season 3 coming up, do we expect Ira to remain a large uh, predominant percentage of the meta and or at least a large or predominant percentage of the top cuts? 100%. Um, I think she's in a great spot to just do Ira things. Like, I don't necessarily think we're going to see a bunch of Frost Control like impactor uh i think you can run enough like null rune kind of the nature of how kadachis want you having blues and cheap things like you get around you can go around the arcane damage and you're still ninja you can still race like you know we saw chain isn't dead as of the uh, pro quest making it to you know second so him and blitz is a little quicker so like ira can ira's good like is this gonna be her last split season before she gets retired that's a bigger question i i i do personally think that we will see some ice stuff creep up that will hurt her potency um i also think briar could have some legs into her um i have not personally been focusing on blitz at all because i'm trying to prep for nationals but I, I do think that like her potency will drop it a little bit but i don't think um i don't think that she's she's gone i think that she she does you know bare bones mechanics just really really well and you know being able to kind of cleanly present eight consistently while blocking some is good turns out it's 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 a good feature um and you know Katsu can kind of do that, but just plus one damage a turn adds up. And so I think that's why we will continue to see her. Um, that that being said, I don't think that... You know, I think that the Living Legend system will deal with her if she needs to be dealt with very soon. Um, and that's that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I will be honest in saying that, like, I will say, if you are starting off a new community... And, you know, Ira is a problem in that community, meaning you have a player who, like, they're just crushing new players with Ira. I think that's something you need to address maybe with that player and your community rather than necessarily, like, something that LSS needs to handle themselves, um, if you will. Like, 
you know, there was a time where when we were starting off our community, Adam, if you recall, like we had some rules in place for if you were at our smaller, more communal events, like winning consistently with the same hero, that you weren't allowed to play that hero for a while. Um, and we had some we rules did. in place for that initially just to kind of help people get in. Um, mm -hmm. We have a bigger community now. We have means to get be more inclusive to our new players as well as competitive for our more competitive players. So we have gone we've said goodbye to those rules since then but i mean those types of things you can put in place for your community if that's something you think you need um yeah. also just talk to people like honestly hopefully we're all adults and if somebody is doing something that's not helpful to the community hopefully we can talk about that and make it more helpful yeah i agree i know for skirm oh. um yeah. i'm i'm just I'm only going to say that I think it will be a large percentage of the meta, but I think it will be less of one, and not because she got worse, because I completely agree with Shay that she's still amazing. Um, I think it's just because, well, Chain is also extraordinary in Blitz. Lexi is extraordinary in Blitz. There's a lot of heroes that are extraordinary in Blitz at this stage, and so I don't think it's because she got worse. I think it's because other heroes have a very similar player level to her. But I also mm -hmm. think she is very lowly affected by Frost. So unless you're giving her a ton, she doesn't really care. She plays a lot of blues anyway. Uh, so it's just it's just not that scary for her. I love that you both touched on the whole how to deal with it as a local community because that's something that we were asked about as well. Should she be nerfed and adjusted in local and casual play? And if so, did we have suggestions? I'm not big on altering card text on a card i don't like rewrites i don't like doing that as an organizer in any way shape or form the only thing i like doing is what we ran locally and saying basically if you're coming in on a weekly night and you've won with a hero you are not allowed to use that hero for two weeks that's that's kind of what we did and especially now with most hero archetypes having a secondary option because um, mm -hmm. even Ninja, I mean, if you're in a, that Blitz format, you can switch over to Katsu, you can switch over to Benji. Um, this gets a little trickier in Classic Constructor, but I do think overall Classic Constructor is in a much healthier place for these types of things. Um, I think, you know, also Classic Constructed, this is why it's my preferred for, format when it comes to Constructed formats. It, it leads less to that, like, degenerate, just blow you out type play style. Um, because you do have more light total to kind of position and make choices and things like that that's not to say i have not had a classic constructor game where i have absolutely just like felt degenerate playing an opponent where i have felt like oh man i'm just like crushing this poor person's soul um but that usually came a lot down to player experience and player skill less so than to what a particular hero was doing and i, I think i mean blitz has merit like there's definitely a play like as from a personal standpoint I super dig Blitz. Blitz is like Blitz account is a count the twenty puzzle. Like it, you know, classic constructor. There is a lot more of these like tactical and long term strategic decisions. Blitz is going to close out in a few turns. Like it's why Kano is so much fun to play in Blitz because Kano can like count to twenty one, you know, turn kill. Uh, it lets Brute kind of shine a bit more, and you know. I'm excited for it. I I think in the skirmish season, it's going to be very interesting because first off, uh, Chain and Runeblade in general get access to the Duskblade for their whole archetypes. That's a whole unexplored space I don't think anyone's been thinking of with, 
you know, Tales of Aria, you know, Classic Constructed and Limited being the big focus, there's just so, there's a lot of interesting twists and turns I think we're going to see in this skirmish season. And I think we might see some, like, you know, heroes that were long considered, you know, like big meta staples fall off. Like, I, we might, you know, Kano, Kano might not be able to do Kano things as much anymore. No, yeah, that's hard I, to say. I, I want to address, like, I'm not saying that I don't think Blitz can be enjoyable or fun. Um, th- there was definitely a time where I would say, like, I may have felt that way. I still don't prefer it as a format. But uh, what I'll say is that, kind of going to back to, like, the brute thing that you were talking about, if you have a, a gross opening hand as Reinar, there's a chance that you're putting your opponent down to five or less life. Mm-hmm. Turn one. Um, when that happens to you in blitz it's not fun it's not enjoyable and so when those types of experiences happen um to a new player it can Mm -hmm. be very off-putting whereas like i might be able to do the same type of thing to you in classic constructed but you still have 20 life so you still feel like you're going to get to participate in the game even if it's going to be a shorter game does that make sense um i just i think that blitz can have more of these feels bad moments than classic constructed currently sees. That's not to say that they aren't they don't happen in classic constructed. We've all here experienced um, Dash with his her full kit out and just pistoling you to death, and there is nothing you can do about it. Um, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. But that to be said, that that takes time. You you've played some of the game to get to that point, right? And yep. so it, it it has a different taste, a different aftertaste, if you will, than just some of these you can blitz. See the inevitability. You still got to yeah. interact. Exactly. I, I'm more on the I side actually... of like Blitz feels as if it's a lot more the call you made on the meta before you start playing, because in CC my sideboard really deals with that issue, whereas in Blitz like I'm I'm locked in, and so if I made the wrong matchup call or for some reason I built my deck to build to fight against Dorinthia and I didn't face any Dorinthia, that is what ends up hurting for me. I would actually like to see Blitz move to being a best of three format potentially. I mean, I, th- I think that there are tweaks that could be made to Blitz the format to make it, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, more competitive, if you will. Not to say that it can't mm-hmm. be a competitive format as it is, but like with the type of things that you're talking about, like being a best of three, inclusion of a sideboard, things of that nature. I I think that we could, first in the future, possibly have those changes be made, but. As as it, my only comment, I just wanted to bring forth is just be especially if you're wanting to build a community, and with Ira being a part of this conversation of like, is Ira an issue with community building and smaller community type situations? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes, she can be, and that can go for a lot of heroes. Though I mean, a very stompy OTK is Reinar can also feel just terrible to play against. Um, you know, th- th- these are the types of things that can happen, and it's more of if you are trying to build a community and you are playing something that can be a little bit more degenerate, recognize your player base, recognize who you're playing against. We yep. all want to get practice. We all want to get better. But also, you're not going to help yourself if you are scaring away new players by just curb stomping them. Yeah. And I, I would make yeah. the case Save. that mostly has nothing to do with the hero because somebody like you, Drayton, for example, I would pick on you. Number six right now 
in a limited format. A lot of things you play against newer players, you're going to win. If you are intending to play as clean as possible, as competitive as possible, forcing all rule stuff, again, you're on your way to becoming a judge, I am a judge, we're, we're enforcing every single little thing, you can make that experience terrible for somebody no matter what you do, no matter what hero you play. I think it a lot of times it's the mindset of the players who are worried about coming in and grinding people to death with Ira. It's not Ira that's the problem. It's the fact that they can't turn it off. Right, and, and this is something that I have to like watch on myself sometimes. Is like I am in that competitive mindset, especially right now prepping for nationals, right? So if I do see myself paired up against a newer player, you know, I, I, I want to still be inclusive. And so, for instance, if it's something where it's like, okay, I, I'm getting the practice out of this I need. I'm not worried about getting these three XP, things like that. And they're like, oh, man, I pitched the wrong card. I'm going to let them take it back, especially if it's somebody that I know yeah. is new, right? Like, be, give those concessions. Let them have takesy-backsy sometimes, right? Like, you have to be able to break out of that mindset sometime and also recognize who are you playing against. Um, and, and recognize that, honestly, if you are in that competitive mindset of trying to get better, Letting them fix a turn is probably better for you, honestly, because you're getting a better, more competitive experience out of that. Help yeah. help them to try and beat you sometimes. It might help you. Yeah. Casual fun time nights are, like, all about, like, let's all grow and get better and save, like, you know, the, like, you know, hard line, no take backs coming for, you know, the throat for, like, when you're playing in the skirmish. We're practicing for the skirmish. Absolutely. I mean, it, again, recognize what you're trying to achieve and also recognize who are you playing against. You know, don't club baby seals, I guess, is the moral of the story. Because you learn most when you make the play mistakes. And they have consequences. And you missequence your cards like four different times. And Sure, you're you referring know, to something that happened today. I mean, man, if only double dominate was a thing, I would have had so many double dominates. Words are hard. Shay and I played Words in the draft, um, for those of you who are wondering what the heck is going on right now, and uh, he may have... Including the uh, co-host. Yeah, he, he may have dominated uh, arrows that already had dominate multiple times during our match. Yeah. I still won, though. He He did beat me. It was very close. Yeah. So... There's that. Apparently, if I take the weight of clothing off, I'm unbeatable. <laughs> if you just read your cards. Yeah. So it's that King of the Hill meme. It's like, Bobby was like, Bobby, if those kids could read, they'd be very upset. <laughs> this is me with the cards in my hand. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the... Uh... Yeah, you had you. One of them was you polar blasted me. I said I'm not gonna pay. And you're like, cool. I'll give this arrow dominate. Sitting <laughs> there like, say nope. why? <laughs> it was a real bummer because I think I also had a way to give you a, a frostbite token or two if it hit. And I'm like, man, if only it had six strength. It's okay. It we, we both made a lot of misplays today. <laughs> All right. Well, while you guys talk through your misplays and things, I think I'm gonna tell everybody thanks for listening because we have been Kadachi for three. And although our tangents are amazing, I just wanted to thank you for listening and making it a fun and welcoming, exciting game to be a part of, and say we will see you soon with more listener questions. 
Of course, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Edmund Unplugged in Oklahoma and is the home store of all your hosts. Thanks again for listening and enjoy playing in the flesh and blood. Thanks for listening and being a part of the Flesh and Blood community. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please share us, leave us a like, or a review. If you want to engage with us directly, please find us on Facebook at Kadachi43. And remember, we are available for download on all major podcast providers. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks. Until then, enjoy playing Flesh and Blood.